Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. What's up, everyone out there coming to you in October, a.k.a. the fall, at least here in Florida. But Florida is kind of a downer place to be in the fall because our leaves don't change color this time of year. It's really bizarre. They tend to change color more in the springtime. It's really weird. It's backwards, backwards in so many ways here in Florida. But if you are somewhere that's getting a little bit of chilly crispness in the air and leaves are starting to turn colors and fall and you're getting your pumpkin spice latte or whatever pumpkin drink you fancy, then let me just say to you, I am glad you are here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me on the All Things Narrative podcast. And before we launch into this episode, I want to share something really exciting. So did you know that there is a bonus episode of the All Things Narrative podcast available out there that you will not see on whatever format you are listening to right now? And that is because in order to get this bonus episode, you have to go to allthingsnarrative.com. You'll see right there on the front page, you'll see that there is a way that you could get a bonus episode on five ways, five tips to improve your storytelling. And so this is material that I have not shared on this episode, and I am giving it away for free when you, of course, sign up for my email list. So you just put your name and your email in there. You'll get a link uh, to that episode. And now let's move on to the topic at hand. Today's conversation, or should I say monologue, is going to be about a change that I experienced in my reading habits. So I wasn't planning on doing this episode. It just kind of came shortly after I recorded the last episode that I did by myself, which was why you should read more fiction. And I got some great responses from that. I get asked that question actually quite often. Why bother with fiction? Episode probably spoke to you if you were somebody who loves fiction and advocates for reading those kinds of stories, right? But the more I was thinking back on my journey with fiction, one of the things that really stood out to me was that I went through a period in my life where I didn't read practically any fiction. And so to wind the clock back a bit, like most kids, we start off really loving fiction. And that continued all the way through high school. But when I was like towards the end of high school and getting into college, I was getting I was getting introduced to more nonfiction. I remember reading things like a biography of Frederick Douglass in school. And I mean, there was lots of nonfiction we had to read anyways. But when I started going to church more, I started getting into reading more philosophy and theology. And by the time I got to college, that pretty much dominated what I was doing, what I was reading in my free time. I had to read a lot of nonfiction for college, of course, but even in my spare time, I was so consumed by nonfiction to the point where I don't, I'm sure I did read fiction in college, but I honestly don't remember if I did. 
I don't think I started reading fiction again until, oh gosh, maybe like once I got married, maybe like a year after I was married, uh, like 2015, I started picking up fiction again. That sounds about right. And so I wanted to do this episode for people that might not read a lot of nonfiction and might struggle with why they should spend time reading nonfiction. Nonfiction is such a broad category. I mean, just like the genres with fiction, nonfiction can range from, like I said, theology and philosophy to biographies. I mean, you've got your any book on on history, right? Although I <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about how some historical books are fiction. Oh, oh man, but. Anyways, that's a topic for another day. But anyways, so yeah, I guess what I want to do is maybe share some of the nonfiction that has really spoken to me uh, on this journey and why nonfiction can be so helpful. Because the strength of fiction is that ability to engage with characters and experience them to feel what they're feeling, think what they're thinking, to, to be inside their head, so to speak. And I love in fiction how stories, we really let our guard down. Now in nonfiction, our guard goes right back up, right? Because we're engaging things in a different way. And so I get asked a lot, what are some nonfiction books that you recommend? And so I wanted to share a few of those books, which I've mentioned here on the podcast before, but also just talking about why nonfiction is also worth your time. So the first question that I would ask you if you were interested in reading a nonfiction book is, do you want your central beliefs to be affirmed or challenged? You know, when you're a Christian, you find yourself in circles where people give you all these books to recommend. And you start to realize that those books, or at least a lot of them, in good, well-meaning people recommending them, a lot of these books tend to be just confirmation bias. They tend to be like, oh, well, this book will help you maintain what you believe in, right? And, you know, there's, there's an aspect of that that's good. We want to know what we believe and why and better understand that. But we also want to read books that are going to challenge us, challenge our perceptions of the world. And so we need to have a healthy balance with nonfiction if we don't want to be surrounded by an echo chamber. We want to make sure that, yes, we're reading things that align with who we are and what we value in life. But we also want to understand, and maybe, maybe fiction is the place where we understand those who differ from us. But I do think that engaging in nonfiction and all kinds of ideas is super important. Like you have this thing that we talked about in college called like the great books of Western civilization. So reading those early philosophers like Plato and Aristotle, I guarantee you, you're not going to agree with everything in those books and in their writings. But what you will understand is wow, these ideas formed the backbone of Western civilization. This is why these works are important. If we think of like Homer's Odyssey and Iliad as doing that for fiction, then we could think of Plato and Aristotle's works as doing that for nonfiction. 
being able to trace the source of these ideas. That's what I really like about nonfiction is being able to engage with thinkers and intellectuals in the ideas as they're developing them. And not like, I mean, you could get like a Cliff Notes version, you could get secondhand information on that, but really going back to the source and really trying to understand those ideas at based on the person who articulated them there. In fact, probably my favorite piece of writing of all time, I know, I know, that's like a bold statement if you're trying to say something like that. Maybe I should say the piece of writing I most come back to in my life is actually a work of nonfiction. And it's not even like a story per se. But there's something it has to say about stories and narratives. And that's uh, in the, the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. What's so fascinating about Ecclesiastes is that it's very philosophical uh, in the way that it's kind of moving through these different ideas about life. But it's doing it through uh, this guy, Kohelet, uh, which just means teacher, and the teacher is, you know, people debate if it's really Solomon or not. I tend to think it's not for various reasons, but it's a teacher that is taking on the persona of Solomon, if you will, almost like stepping into the drama of his story. And I have no doubt that this book is probably influenced by Solomon uh, in different ways, but you have this figure who is looking at their life, they're reflecting on their story, they're recounting it, and they sit back and go, I'm not sure what to make of it. I mean, that's literally all of us at some point in our lives, right? And I wanna do, I'll do a whole podcast on this eventually uh, because this goes back to meaning. In some translations, you'll see uh, him lamenting, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, meaningless, I don't know if that's the best way to interpret the word Havel, the Hebrew word there, but a lot of how it can get interpreted is this idea of vapor or mist. In other words, like life is short. It's like smoke. It's here, then it's gone. And it's interesting to think about your life like that. If you reckon seriously with the, the idea that your life is short, do you come to the conclusion that your life is meaningless? How do you find meaning in the short breadth of life that you possess? When you read fiction, you could kind of put up this veil or this wall of like, oh, well, this is like a made-up world or fantasy or whatever it is. It doesn't really pertain to me. But nonfiction, you can't really put up that pretense. You're forced to reckon with what does this mean for me, for my life? And it engages that different part of your brain. If fiction is really engaging that very creative side of your brain, very imaginative, playful. Nonfiction is engaging that more logical side of your brain. And we need both to be well-rounded human beings. And being able to cultivate that sense of logic, like do the ideas that are presented here, do they make sense? Are they true for how I understand the world around me? And if I don't personally 
connect with them? Why does this person who's writing about them, what, what, what is it about those ideas that they connect with and trying to, to understand that? I think that's the first thing to keep in mind is that balance between affirmation and challenge. We want to be stretched. We want to grow. And maybe it's not just intellectually, but also practically as well. You know, we in the business world love getting those leadership books or those five tips to becoming a better, more successful entrepreneur or whatever it is, right? And it's good because there's an aspect of life that we do need to think about those things. And often those books are filled with, you know, wonderful testimonies and stories of people putting those things into action. And even more importantly, your life becomes a testimonial if you put those things into action and they actually work, if they produce something. What are some nonfiction books that I would recommend? For all the story people, for the people who want to engage in the level of story outside of reading stories themselves. So uh, some examples I'll give of this. So I mentioned um, the C.S. Lewis book on stories last time where I was talking about fiction, right? But that's a work of nonfiction and I highly recommend it. I think it's a fantastic series of essays um, that Lewis wrote about fiction. But other great books about stories that I quote a lot on this podcast, I mean, I really enjoy Donald Miller. I really enjoy, in particular, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. I think that is an amazing book about how to take the elements of story and apply them to your life. It's the foundation of my coaching program. He wrote another book that's a little more on the theological side called Searching for God Knows What. That's a good one too, if you're interested in that. Another book of nonfiction that I recommend and talk about a lot is The Storytelling Animal by Jonathan Gottschall. Just a wonderful book about understanding stories in different ways, whether it be through uh, our memories or dreams or fiction and entertainment or our own lives. And all there's all different types of ways he engages story in that book. Another one is Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I actually do a workshop on this, and this is part of my class as well that I teach uh, when I teach young people. So The Hero with a Thousand Faces, The Hero's Journey, it's Joseph Campbell looking at all these myths, but trying to understand how they work together, how they connect and relate to each other in different ways. Now, besides all these, I also have to mention narrative therapy books. I read a lot of narrative therapy articles, writings, books uh, when I was in grad school. And I think the ones I find myself going back to most often, I mean, Michael White, obviously, um, Maps and Narrative Practice, Narrative Means to Therapeutic Ends. You know, he's he's got so many great essays, so many great writings. I love the book that he did uh, about narrative therapy with children. And David Denborough, I continue to go back to his works a lot as well, retelling the stories of our lives. That's always like my first like intro narrative therapy book I recommend to people. It's a great book to just kind of get familiar uh, with the world there. And I think there actually is a book I have on my shelf called What is Narrative Therapy? That's a good one too. Uh, his book, Collective Narrative Practice, is fantastic. Just stories of him working with uh, different groups of people and what those experiences were like. I mean, there's lots of great narrative therapy books I would recommend. 
Um, but I would start with those ones at least. And one book that I'm really looking forward to reading in full around Christmas time this year is going to be Man's Search for Meaning. I've read parts of it. Getting the chance to read a firsthand account of something like the Holocaust is well worth your time. Whether it's Eli Wiesel's Night, uh, David Faber's Because of Romek, uh, Art Spiegelman's Mouse. Oh my gosh, uh, what other ones are there? The Diary of Anne Frank. Uh, the Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's works, which aren't necessarily about the Holocaust, but you know he has an interesting story about his role and where he was during all that in World War II Germany. And of course, Viktor Frankl. So in my Live a Meaningful Story program, one of the things that we talk about is this idea of writing and crafting your autobiography, aka having authority to tell your story in your own way. And so, of course, autobiographies, in theory, are nonfiction, though it's interesting because uh, <laughs> there's this joke in The Storytelling Animal that talks about how sometimes biographies and autobiographies can be fiction, and so... That's a whole other conversation there. But one autobiography that I recommend is actually what some people consider to be the earliest one, which is Augustine's Confessions. And when he wrote it, people thought he was crazy because you don't really write your own story. Your, your biography, your story is written about you after you die because your story is still ongoing, right? So for him to write about his life from basically like middle age was pretty unheard of. And it's really fascinating to read in confessions, just the way that he'll wrestle with a situation, like when he was a kid and he stole some pears and just to see kind of his stream of consciousness and how he interprets that event now and how what it means for him. And so that's a really good example of an autobiography. And there's lots of great autobiographies out there. But that's one that uh, if people ask, I, I recommend it. It's, it's also just very beautifully and poetically written too. And so this, I want to keep this really short. So I'm going to end it here. But this is, uh, yeah, this is why you should read more nonfiction to better understand what you believe and why and also to be challenged to grow, to push uh, beyond what you know and learn something new. What a concept, right? We should always be striving to grow, to be teachable, and to be curious about the world around you. See what's next. So whether it's a science or biographies or history or books about stories or theological and philosophical ideas or psychology, whatever it is you fancy, I hope that you will carve out some time to read some nonfiction, to stimulate your mind and to grow into a more well-rounded human being. So that's about going to do it for this episode. And if you're curious and you want to stay up to date with what I'm reading, then follow me on Instagram, where I have a highlight reel about what I'm reading this year. And I'll continue to update uh, my stories on there with whatever book I finish reading. So find me at All Things Narrative. Please, again, don't forget to sign up for that email list and get those five tips for improving your storytelling. And that email list, of course, will help you to stay connected uh, with what we are doing here at All Things Narrative. You can go to allthingsnarrative.com and get that information and sign up 
there for free. Woo! All right, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to have the guys on for our next episode as we approach Halloween and we face our fears and our why we love or sometimes are terrified out of our minds of horror stories. And so join us for that in a couple weeks. And so we'll get right back to talking about fiction. And in the meantime, this is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, signing off, saying thank you so much. I hope you're doing well. And until next time, take care.